What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down 119.1, and we're continuing our uh, read-through <laughs> of uh, Ready Player Two. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. And yeah, um, we probably should have read... Matt, you did. I probably should have read the chapter leading into what we're about to talk about because that was basically yeah. the, the good cutoff right there, but I, I, I stopped. So yeah, without, without knowing it in advance, it's hard to tell exactly where to stop, but yeah, one more chapter, we would have hit your high stakes part of the story and we would have hit the, the new trajectory of, of what the characters are working on. Exactly. Yeah. I, I guess, um, I asked for high stakes. I got high stakes. Um, not the kind of stakes I was, thinking about and and i will i will kind of elaborate a little bit more whenever we get closer to it um but yeah so um the the high five are called into a meeting with faisal and faisal's like so there's an issue uh as everybody knows we released a firmware update for the ONI headsets uh, earlier this morning. You all agreed to it, downloaded it automatically. Um, there's an issue with it. Um, but uh, we find out um, quickly that the, the Faisal that they're meeting with isn't actually Faisal at all because Faisal then shows up like, like out of breath. Oh my God. There's something's going wrong, right? <laughs> Indeed, there is, Faisal. Yep. And uh, one one big thing that happened was that uh, when everybody walked in, Wade went to go shake Faisal's hand, and when he did, um, the robes of Anorak were removed from him, taken off his inventory. And he's like, "What the hell?" And after that, it's revealed. Oh, look, Faisal wasn't Faisal at all. It was Anorak himself. Um, or Halliday, not, not Halliday, not Halliday. So they, they kind of, they just try to describe it as best they can. Uh, this NPC, which disappeared after the, winning the contest, the first contest, um, was created by Halliday as a AI version of himself that had his memories I'm assuming and yeah, all, all of his so. experiences so I think he did like a brain scan I think he did like a brain scan using the Oni before he released it or before he you know hid it away basically um, and um, so it is Halliday but it's also its own entity so they, they hinted at it earlier in the book talking about the singularity the 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 moment where an ai would become fully aware and then you know basically it now has you know free will to do whatever it wants no longer going by programming and that's basically what happened here so this ai that halliday had created uh basically to run the contest the 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 first contest um, has went rogue 
Um, and it wasn't created to be out on its own. It, it took advantage of like a a split second before it was meant to be shut down. Yeah. And it, it, and you know, it was able to stop the self-destruct piece of his programming basically. Yeah, there was a piece of – it was programmed to basically just dissipate, not, not, not exist anymore. But over the course of so many years, it decided I don't want to go away. So it decided to erase that part of the programming. And it's been running around silently for the past, what, four years? Three or four years? Yeah, I think so. Um, And, yeah, it's basically coming. It steals the robes back from um, from Parzival and uh, is now wearing them. And he he basically tells him, so yeah, as I was saying, there's an issue with the uh, the ONI headsets now, thanks to the firmware update that I changed. Um, you can't log out. Yeah, and all you idiots downloaded. Yep. So, because you can't log out, you have 12 hours. Before you start to suffer from brain damage. And, and I kind of rolled my eyes just a little bit at this. I'm like, oh, now I understand why they made such a big deal about the 12-hour time limit. Go I mean, figure. Yeah. It's really the, important now. They, Yeah, I mean, you could tell they – Ernest Klein's not that not that good. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to tell though because it, it doesn't feel always like it's poorly written. It just feels like it's aimed at like a mid-grade reader. Like it's not – he's not trying to be overly devious or complicated. You know, this was meant to be like a oh shit moment I guess. Right. Rather than an eye roll moment but – Yeah. So um, basically um, he, he, he lays it all out. Originally, he was going to have Ogden Morrow go get all of the shards. Why does does Anorak want all the shards? We don't know. He yeah, hasn't really. One of the big mysteries been. for the rest of the book, I guess. Yeah. So, um, basically, uh, he he originally was going to get Ogden to do it, and he was forcing Ogden to do it by um, he. Basically, sprung Sorrento out of prison, and uh, using obviously using the the Oasis because everything is connected to the internet, connected to the Oasis, and so he got him out of prison and promised Sorrento. I don't know what he promised him, but he said, "I want you to go get Ogden Morrow, and I want you to force him to log in and get the shards for me." And Sorrento did that because we see a video feed, um, basically a, like a hostage video with Ogden there. Um, and he's not wearing an Oni headset. He's wearing the, the regular haptic uh, headset. And he's like, Ogden Morrow has refused to continue. So plan B, we're going to kill Ogden Morrow if you don't get the shards for me. And since we're going to make you do that, why don't we give you a time limit too? So you can't log out of the Oasis. So once you're logged in, you're stuck in here. 
And after your 12 hour mark, you start to suffer from brain damage. So time's ticking. <laughs> Everybody's like, Oh crap. But then when, and he, 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 after that little big thing, he's like, Ooh, see you later. And he's out of here. He teleports away. Now he has the robes. He can become invisible. He's basically omnipresent, omni in everything. Yep. Could always he, be listening. He could always be listening. He can teleport wherever he wants to. He can go wherever he wants to. He can kill anybody. And he's also invulnerable. So, Except he still can't touch the shards because he's not an heir. Yes. Hence the need for Ogden and then... And then Parzival. And then Wade, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's uh, Dire Straits. So they're like, okay, after after the big shock, well, we, we need to remember, hey, guess what? Samantha has refused to use an Oni headset. So she's good, right? Well, here's the issue. Uh, when she logged into the Oasis, she was actually on a plane back to Columbus. And she doesn't have a crew on board flying the plane. She has a automated robot doing it. Guess who runs the automated robot? A hackable automated robot. Exactly. They're like, okay, well, I'm just going to run out of fuel and then crash. Nope. We've already made it to where other robots are going to fly a jet and refuel you in midair. So, yeah. What what, what are you going to do now? So she pulls a crazy move. <laughs> She's just like, I'm going to abandon ship. So she, she grabs a parachute and bust open the door, you know, get sucked out. Parachutes yeah, no longer down. stuck in her flying prison. Yeah, parachutes out, lands, and then the robot's like, "Okay, we're just going to crash the plane into you." <laughs> yeah, you can't so escape it, that easily. Yeah, it does. It does a nosedive. They think that it, that she's dead for a while. There, they're watching the news, and then nope, she's back. She called back in, saying, "I'm good. I'm good." I'm going to log back in a little while, uh, but I got to go get checked out by the doctors. Apparently she did get beat up a little bit, but that's about it. Which for for a moment, I thought that was like an unnecessary detour. Cause I'm like, all right, well, you know, she was with the group. Yeah. I guess you've explained why she's trapped, but then she's right back with the group. So nothing really changed, but I guess it does give you some indication that Anorak's not messing around. Like he will try to kill her if she, if any of them betray him. Yeah. So, uh, see, at least she's safe. I'll put that in air quotes um, for now. So that leaves Parzival, Shoto, and H stuck in there. Um, Parzival has a little bit less than 12 hours. And they keep going back to Faisal, too, saying how much longer he has. So I get the feeling that's going to come back up. Yeah, because I think... Faisal was the first one to log on. Faisal's the first, then H and Shoto, and then I think Wade's only got like 10 minutes more than them, right? Yeah. That's... Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And Faisal might be like half an hour, an hour less. Yeah. So, and the issue is, is that it's not just them. It's everybody. Everybody who's currently logged on to the Oasis can no longer log out. And I so think we're talking... Faisal's like the barometer, right? Because didn't they say he logged in 
just like five minutes before the update hit. Probably. So, it, I think nobody should be dying until Faisal dies, and then, and then the clock is really, really ticking. They also pushed the whole um, different ways you could escape. Like there was this one like weird like back doorway, but it would also have like you have a ten percent chance of survival. Oh, if you just take the headset off when you're yeah, if somebody were to while like, you're still in game right? while you're still in game, yeah. So everybody's like, okay, so I guess we have no other options. We have to get these shards. So they have to devise a plan to figure it out. Um, so they have to look at the back of the shard, the first shard, or wait, is this second shard? Which yeah, one is already, it? They've already got the first one. Yeah, and they got the first one. Og basically picks up two and three pretty quickly. Yeah. So I that. So Og knows where they're all at. So now we got to figure out how did he get to them. He obviously knows better than anybody else. So, um, that's what they're going to do. Uh, I can't remember the clue on the back of the first shard. Um, but it, it basically tells them about, uh, uh, this Sega game that came out. Um, I think it was called Sega Ninja in the United States. Sega Ninja. Yep. Yeah. Which it was Princess Ninja or Ninja Princess. Was that Ninja what it was Princess. called? Yep. Ninja Princess. Yeah, I think so. Um, sorry, my wife is playing loud music right now, and I feared it's coming over the. <laughs> over it sounds the recording. pretty quiet. Okay, there it is. Ninja Princess. I found it. Released in 1985. Uh, apparently, it was uh, a a big uh, game that uh, Kira liked. Um, when she was living in uh, Middleton, is that what it was called, Middleton? Uh, Middleton, was, Ohio, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and so we're thinking, okay, well, we got to figure out what uh, what we can do. Um, there is a there was a planet that had to do with God. What was it? Um, the game designer. Was it the game designer itself? It was a planet just for the game designer? I think so. Because it, it had different sections for all of her games. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, so they, they fly to that planet and try and try and figure out which, which way to go. Um, I think they finally... God, I'm trying to imagine. I, I can't remember. Um... So was the it? first thing they do is they go to the to that arcade, right? And they yeah, play was... play the actual game. Well, he turns into the character though, right? Like that was that was the big thing is like he turned into the character itself. I thought that was when they got to the planet. I thought the first thing they did was just play Sega Ninja, then they have to, he finishes it, sees that he's got the second highest score. Yeah. Um, he puts in kind of the wrong initials. He sees that there's one score higher than his, so he says, oh, it must be that's Ogden's score that's, from when he came through. Yeah. 
and that's when he he has his his vision of being Kira, the the day that she met Ogden at the arcade. And Halliday, right? And Halliday, that's right. Yeah, and Halliday was uh, the book says it cock blocking him. Yeah, so. which is interesting, right? Because this keeps coming up. This idea that. This is – I believe they – I believe he says this is the toll he has to pay, that the heir has to pay, right, is to live through these memories. Yeah, that's like the penance or whatever, the or the sacri- – what was it? I thought it was the toll. The toll, yeah. But then there's the question mark around – you know, it comes up every time you have one of these visions. Why – how are these visions happening if they couldn't have been recorded in real time like other recordings are? Right. And they don't like a, feel like the simulations, right? Because there's there's too much emotion in them. So this is where you know I'm starting to say what what is it about Kira's life in the Seven Shards that might hold something that Anorak wants? So I think it must be some kind of Still piece of the singularity. Right, they definitely, if... did, they definitely didn't record these moments from Kira. Unless they snuck Kira's brain into the Oasis. Somehow. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good... That's a good question. And so either this was some, like... You know, not to get to the end before the beginning, but this is where it really hit me is when you start to is, – is when you experience these little flashbacks. Like it, it just makes me think, how did they get in here? Like there there are mysteries in this book, but that this seems to be the biggest one. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm imagining that this is either Ogden did something to keep Kira's consciousness alive and did some kind of mapping of her. Mm-hmm. Or or it was recreated somehow. Like, it doesn't seem like it could be recreated from his memories, because he... I don't even think necessarily had all the details, or would have details at the level to create this type of a, a memory. So... Let me spitball here. There's there's a um <laughs> What if Halliday created a carbon copy of Kira whether it be synthetic or humanoid and Anorak is trying to activate that so he can then upload his consciousnesses to it, and now he's in the real world. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I, I'm. This may be completely wrong. This may be my dong and rompa. <laughs> my thinking was it had some some kind of reversal where Ogden did something to take Kira's consciousness and trap it in these shards. And then Anorak wants to go the opposite way, which is to use the shards to unlock the the transition from 
brain into the Oasis. He wants to go Oasis into a brain. Yeah. That could be it. Or maybe he's, maybe Anorak's just really wanting to have Kira's consciousness awakened so he can hang out with her. I don't know. For all eternity in the Oasis. In the Oasis, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't fully yeah. explain how it ever got recorded in the first place, but I assume they'll touch on that later. But every time there's one of these tolls to pay, you know, it, it just raises that question or reminds you that this is a mystery. Yeah. How are these happening? Good question. Good question. Um, and I don't know. <laughs> That's a... I guess hopefully they will be answered. We'll find out. Yeah. So then after... Um, after he plays the game, right? He sees the score. And this is actually coming to it later. This is one of my favorite parts that... They question how Ogden could have done so much better than Wade. Right. Because Wade, you know, he had help from his friends. And, you know, he, he didn't have a perfect run by any means. But... There's no way that Ogden could have gotten twice the score, or 50% more score, than he did on the same run-through. So he's like, what What about a second playthrough would have caused Og to play further? Yeah. Why, why, Which, would he, why would he continue playing further if he already had the shard? Yep. Which, in my mind, I was like, well, you know, some games change on the second playthrough, so maybe he should play through it. But he doesn't, and he, he leaves. So I'm like, all right, well, okay. It was a little bit of a... A quirk or an unknown piece of that of that story, but you know it must not be too important. Although yeah. obviously it comes back. Yeah. Um, but then this like... is where you actually transition, right? Because Halliday actually turns into the bad guy from the game. What? what, what, what right. So, say it again now. What, like, what do you mean? So uh, after they after they play the arcade game. Then they get the vision of, you know, Og and Kira's basically first meeting. Sure. With Halliday being there. And then at the end of that, basically, I think they say everything goes black. And it's just him as Kira and Halliday. And then Halliday turns into the evil ninja, Kazumari. That's right. That's right. And then he has to fight him for real as the princess. Yeah. So... Yeah. And once he beats him, that's when he gets the second shard. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Which, <laughs> to be honest, the uh, the whole sequence of events here really makes me think of that first, v- first VR game that I fell in love with. My favorite VR game to date is Pixel Ripped, 1995. Uh, well, uh, explain that one to me. It's so you play this game as a kid in the mid nineties, you know, sitting in front of his CRT TV with his Genesis or whatever, and you're playing a game, but the game that you drew would be playing is partially the game of this kid wandering around, going to an arcade, arguing with his parents about how much time he's spending playing games. And then it's partially the game that the kid is playing which is, you know, this kind of side-scrolling hack-and-slash Metroid game. And then you go in, so you, you're playing multiple levels of reality in this. 
which I think is awesome. And then there's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's really a spoiler, but it plays a lot with those perspectives. And then the 2D game that the kid is playing jumps out into the real 3D world. And the, and the way here that you're kind of, you're in VR and you're, you're playing, you know, Wade is playing Parzival's life and then Parzival is now playing as Kira, who's playing as a ninja. It's all these like nested character plays. It really makes me think of that pixel rip game where you're kind of jumping between levels basically of, of a story. Right. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And that game, that game was, was just so much fun. I, it's my favorite game I played on the, on the Oculus quest. So, yeah. Um, so now they got the second shard. Um, the second shard um, has another riddle on it. And it is basically in reference to John Hughes. Uh, they start racking their brains about stuff that Kira liked. And um, it was talking about... Uh, recast the foul and to give Andy the proper ending or something to give Andy the proper ending. Yeah. And, um, they, you know, they speculate on a whole bunch of stuff and then finally realize that they're talking about the, uh, character from pretty in pink. So they have to go to the John Hughes world which is um, Shermer, Illinois. So for those of you who don't know or who have never seen Dogma, Shermer, Illinois is basically this make-believe town uh, that John Hughes created where the majority of his stories take place. So um, they had a world that basically recreates pretty much all the scenes from all of his movies. Yeah, all like kind of side by side merged together. Like every street's a different time period or event that keeps playing on a loop. Yep. And there's tons of like uh, the music cues. Yeah. Where you and they'll start playing songs from those movies. Obviously, tons of eighty songs. Which but, was um, immediately where I started to be like, I'm a little out of my element because I'm not sure who John Hughes is or what he's done. And that's you know the referencing Pretty in Pink. I'm like, well. If this is the main reference, I haven't seen it, so not sure what I need. So I've been on a bit of a John Hughes binge over the last week, watching so everything what I could get my hands on. So what have you watched by John Hughes, Matt? Uh, I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I had already seen. Uh -huh. But I also watched The Breakfast Club, which I don't think I had seen. Really? Yeah. I, That's not, the one I'm most familiar with. It's an interesting movie, right? That you know, we've talked about movies set in one location and how you're kind of trapped there. Well, this is that, just not with the genre or sci-fi twist. Sure. Um, and I tried very hard to watch Pretty in Pink. Uh, I mean, without actually buying it, I actually was going to buy a John Hughes Collection DVD, but it wasn't going to get here in time. Um, I did sign up for Cinemax for free that was supposed to allow me to watch Pretty in Pink on Amazon, uh -huh. but it just doesn't play. It says it's available. It says stream now, but it doesn't work. That's weird. On six different devices, so... Uh, 
not sure what happened there, but I did not get to watch Pretty in Pink. Uh, and then just last night I watched Sixteen Candles. Okay. Which I also had not seen. What'd you think of Sixteen Candles? Uh, I thought it was good. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of it is around these, like, you know, it's high school parties, it's coming of age, so it's it's a lot of stuff that I would have watched over the years. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, I don't know how I missed some of these movies. Never, just never really watched them. I mean, I recognize the actors. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe when I was younger, I just kind of thought they were girly movies, The Breakfast Club and. 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink. I would say Pretty in Pink. Yeah. Pretty in Pink and 16 Candles most certainly are teenage love story movies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not that that I've not watched those, right? There's lots of movies that I've watched, rom-coms and such. So I I don't know that now that would be a reason to exclude it, but maybe when I was younger, I just... Either nobody, like, said, hey, let's watch this movie... And I, I just somehow never discovered them, or 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 what happened? Somehow I glossed over them. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm relatively familiar with with John Hughes stuff. So I I knew some of it. Some of it. Um, I'd seen Sixteen Candles once. I'd seen Pretty in Pink once. I've seen Breakfast Club a good amount of times. I, I knew that that movie pretty well. Um, obviously Uncle Buck. Uh, there were some Curly. good lines in Breakfast Club. <laughs> there were some good lines in Breakfast Club. Like there, there's there's tons of good lines in that that movie. In fact, I would I'd venture to guess that that's probably his most famous movie. It seems to be the one that's usually like either his most iconic or one of his best rated, or you know the the prototypical John Hughes movie. Yeah, because in a lot of like lists that I was looking for, I'm like, all right, what has he written? What is he? You know, what have I seen? What have I not seen? In a lot of them, that was number one. Yeah. Um, what else has he done? He did Curly Sue. I've seen that once or twice. Um, yeah, I'm a lot more familiar with the other movies that he was. You know, they're not the iconic ones like like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and yep. Home Alone, and Beethoven. That's right. He wrote Beethoven. I forgot about that. Wow. Now there's a movie I haven't seen in years, <laughs> or its sequels, which they made yeah. a million of. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. So, and the thing is, is like when they travel there, Artemis is like, I've got this covered. I know I'm a John Hughes fanatic. I know exactly what we're talking about. She's leading them where they need to go. Um, and she knows exactly what they're talking about when it comes to uh, recast the foul. So, if you remember in Pretty in Pink. Uh, there was a character uh, named Ducky. That was his. That was, I think that was his, his nickname, obviously. Uh, who was like the friend to Molly Ringwald's character, um, and uh, at the end of the movie, she actually ends up with Blaine, which is the the rich preppy kid, um, instead. Um, and the foul being Bird, being Ducky, recast Ducky to give her the the true ending which the original ending of the of pretty and pink was that she was supposed to get with her friend ducky but back in the pre-production they had re- they had cast ducky as somebody else or somebody else had been cast as ducky that person being robert downey jr 
Who they talk like, to and hang out with. They they totally do. <laughs> yes. So they're like, okay, well, Robert Downey Jr. was only in one other movie with John Hughes involved, and that was Weird Science. And he wasn't even a main character in that. He was just kind of like a side character who was in it for probably about 15, 20 minutes max, <laughs> I think. Um, and so we're like, okay, we're going to we're gonna have to go grab Robert Downey Jr. from that movie and bring him over here so that he can go to prom with Andy and they can fall in love. And that will be the true ending. So they go on this whole big thing of they, they, they ride the bus they they run into all these different reference characters from all the movies and stuff like that. Like it, it was it, like I, they were naming stuff that I was like, okay, that's a that's a deep cut. I don't I don't even know what the hell they're talking about there. Yeah, some of the stuff I do remember though. Um, uh, some of the stuff was like from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, but yeah, so eventually they they make it to there's two house parties going on simultaneously from two different movies. And they they go they have to go find the weird science house party, grab Robert Downey Jr., bring him, dress him up as Ducky, uh, because they killed Ducky. <laughs> <laughs> What's the guy's name for Two and a Half Men? Uh, that played Ducky. Uh, it's not a show I've seen. Oh man, I know That's who it is. John Cryer. Yeah, John Cryer. Um, they kill him, lop his head off, Artemis does, with a sword, and then steal all of his inventory, and then give it to Robert Downey Jr. He dresses up as Ducky, and he's like, I, I can't do this. I, 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 I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And that's when Artemis is like, oh, crap. We got to give him the script. We got to give him the original script because he doesn't know what to do. So they had to go to a single house where John Hughes is based, um, because a lot of his stuff that he, a lot of the stuff that he wrote was based on his real life, his real life experiences. So they find the house that John Hughes lives at on this island or this planet. They go upstairs and they meet John Hughes, and they're like, "Oh, I've been waiting for you." And you want the original script to, to Pretty in Pink. Yeah, we had to change it because the test audiences didn't like the fact that they got with she got with Ducky instead of Blaine. So we had to change it. But this was the original ending. And he gave them the script. And while they were leaving, they found uh, there was a keyboard that was like hanging on the on the door to the to the uh, to the like the, I guess the office. And the the keyboard had. Um, Letters poked out of it. So there was keys that were missing. What were the keys? I can't remember. <laughs> K-A-I-R-N-A. Okay, Kira. There you yeah. go. So they were like, well, what's that doing here? He's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, that must be another clue that Ognemaro left. He's leaving us clues. Why would he, rent, rent, you know, go higher on the scoreboard? And the in the the Princess Ninja game, and then also do this. He's leaving us clues for something. Oh, and, and I like the I like during this section. He like he realizes that people are like walking in the tune to Morse code. 
And so he realizes that's another clue is that people are walking around giving him a clue. Like some of the NPCs are like tapping out Morse code when they walk. Was that here? I thought that was uh Is that I thought that this? was that was in the next one. It was uh, it was Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was. And Rain Man. Yep. But um yeah. Um so yeah, they 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 give Robert Downey Jr. the uh, the script, and he instantly reads it, and is like, "Okay, I know exactly what to do." Goes in there and dances with Andy, and they get the new shard. The next shard doesn't have a poem or a riddle on it; it just has a picture, which is a coat of arms with different types of um, math. Is it math? Math symbols, yeah. Math symbols. And Parsville recognizes it right away. He's like, I know exactly where we need to go next. It's the free world, Helsedonia. Yep. So they uh they have to go back to where he started. Um to the uh to the I, I, the the educational planet. Yeah. Um and uh I liked this part where they kind of go into his memories talking about his mom yeah, and how, you know, like Ogden and Kira were both really big into childhood development and wanted to create this planet where all the kids could learn and have their own like little special place that they could go to. Um, and he talked about how he remembers taking his mom to this, like they all get their own little like, treehouse looking thing or something like that where they, they can, you know, store all their inventory items and stuff. And it's completely it's free. First real space. Yeah. Which is the kind of thing that, you know, it, it resonates well, like thinking of this world, like one of the things I remember reading Ernest Klein say was that he, he really wanted to balance this world. So it didn't feel too dystopian, but not too, hopeful or optimistic either. He was trying to like navigate a path to where it, it wasn't, Oh, this is a bad future or this is a good future. But you can imagine where even if it wasn't a good or bad future, if the population keeps growing and, you know, and this ends up being the escape, certainly for l- kind of the lower class, uh, you know, people who don't have the, you know, homes and stuff like Wade, I like that they said that this was not only going to be educational, but it's really their first space that they can stake their claim on as their own space. And you can just imagine in an over overpopulated world that having a, a space to call your own is valuable. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it was, it was a nice little like throwback. I feel yeah. like, you know, yeah. and, and it gave, it definitely gave Wade a little bit more character. Yeah. During this time, also, I should say that him and Artemis are kind of warming back up to each other, and they push that a good amount. So, seems like not all is lost there. Yeah, certainly. But yeah, so Wade basically knows exactly where to go. So he drags all his his the rest of his high five club with him, and um, they are traveling um, through the. Um, this entire land, and they're trying to go find the the queen. Um, queen, it's a lot. <laughs> yep, queen, it's a lot. Um, who basically runs the educational 
quests. Um, and he re- recognizes the coat of arms as her coat of arms. Um, while they're traveling there, he runs into um, <laughs> Tom Cruise. And uh, a little bit later on runs into Dustin Hoffman. Um, both of which are playing the characters that they played in Rain Man. Um, and he notices that Tom Cruise is tapping on the side of his car, the convertible, uh, to non-existent music. And also and, that something's a little weird that they're even there because they don't allow R-rated content on this planet. Exactly. So like, why, why is this even here? Um, and then he runs into Dustin Hoffman doing the exact same thing. He's leaning back and forth, back and forth and tapping. Um, and that's when he realizes they're doing Morse code, I think. And so he, he records a little bit of it. Um, but continues on. And this quest is pretty easy. He, he, he finds the, the queen and uh, basically is like, hey, um, do you have a shard for me? And she's I, like, I like there's the, that there's the momentary freak out where they say you need to do all these quests. And they're like, oh, my God, we don't have time to do all that. He's like, don't worry. I did them all already. Yeah. You got you. Do you have the 50 merit badges? He's like, oh, yeah, I got that. And, of course, H is like, oh, shit. We don't have the 50. And he's like, I, I spent a lot of time on this planet when I was a kid. I have every single merit badge. And he shows it to him. And she's like, yep, here's your shard. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, great. It's the value of all that grinding. I know, right? So, uh, and on the back of it, once again, another shard or another symbol, which I should say we got another um, flashback here, right? Yep. Yep. This is where... I think it was a pretty short flashback where it's it's just uh, Kira having come up with the logos. Like, she ended up creating a logo for each of their characters. Yes. Um, and, and the logo for, I think, Gregarious, the whole, like, the company and everything, right? Or no? Yeah, I think so. And, and Talcedonia. Yeah. So she, and, and that was one of the big things that... Um, he, he mentions that Halliday wasn't a big fan of was was giving her the proper credit because she helped make the Oasis just like him and Og did. Um, she helped create multiple planets on here and did a lot of the the design work for it. Um, and I we we forgot to mention the the flashback that you get whenever you got the the third shard on John Hughes land. Uh, which was um, uh, Ogden is standing there with a cricket ball bat and uh, is trying to uh, hold off Kira's drunk stepfather. And it was basically the time where she was going to be going back to the United States to be with Ogden. And they were arguing, and Ogden went over to London to get her. But, uh, yeah. 
anyway, back to the the fourth shard on the the back of it is the symbol, another symbol. Um, and H recognizes it right away. It is the symbol for the artist formerly known as Prince. And H is like, well, this will be my uh, little quest here because I know everything there is to know about Prince. Um, and is very excited. But uh, before they go and do that, they have to do a little side trek. They have to go back to uh, GSS because um, Faisal calls yeah. them. Faisal's always giving them bad news. Yep. So they show back up. Faisal's like, so I've got bad news and I got even worse news. Which one you want first? <laughs> <laughs> so the bad news is, um, people aren't respawning when they die. And they're like, what? What do you mean? So, if you get, as they call it, zeroed out, if you lose all your hit points. Usually what happens is you lose all your loot that you have on you and you can either corpse run back to your body. Hopefully nobody stole all your lit loot, um, but you always respawn back. Currently, since the update, nobody's respawning back. What does that mean? That means you're not waking up from logging out you're not coming back as your avatar so what's happening to all the people that die in the oasis and are not waking up Purgatory. we don't we don't know they could just be sitting there yeah say some N- kind of limbo limbo non-existence we don't know we don't know what happens to your consciousness so what's the worst news? The worst news is is that the majority of the NPCs are now turning on people. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, NPCs are stop stopping what they're doing, what they're programmed to do, and are now going rogue and leaving their areas, killing players. And stealing their loot. And then taking it to Castle Anorak. And they show basically the video feed, first person video feed of an NPC. Killing people, taking their loot, and then going to Castle Anorak. And then dumping it off to Anorak as he sits on his throne. And he is vacuuming up all the loot. And then spitting all the loot back out. Almost as if he is searching for something. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they're like, okay, that's weird. Also, that's really bad because we have a lot of powerful NPCs that are usually friendly and they're now going around killing people. And people are not aware of this, so they're just like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, double whammy of lots of lots more people dying because they're getting attacked by these avatars and then getting stuck in limbo after they're killed. So they're like, okay, do we 
do we finally break embargo here and, and just make an announcement telling everybody what's going on? They're like, no, that's that that's the last thing we need to do. That will just create chaos and it'll be even worse. So Parsville's like, okay, well, we need to do something. I'm gonna I'm gonna enlist some help at least. So he calls up Low Logren. Lohengrin. Lohengrin. And the low five and invites them to GSS. They all show up and are like starstruck that they're standing in front of the, the owners of the Oasis, basically. And he's like, well, I need your help. Finally, so, he, he, he realizes that. Yeah. And he's like, so, and they let them in on it. So this is what's happening. Don't die. Because if you die, we don't know what happens to you. Also, we're all going to die if we don't get this done. <laughs> um, but we need some help with trying to figure out how to stop Anorak. Well, Lowe's been work, been doing some work. And she's like, I've already found something. I found Kira's Trapper Keeper. Well, because so we- this, this was specifically at Parzival's request, right? Yeah. Because there was all the different instances of Middleton, of, of Middleton, yeah, yeah, and uh, they found the the instance of Middleton that Ogden had used, right, and was hoping that he would left a clue, and he did. There was a couple of things that were changed. Uh, the the first one being there is, um. There was the Trapper Keeper that Kira owned, which was basically a Dungeons and Dragons module that she had created herself. And in that, there was uh, a description of a weapon, a weapon known as the the Dork Slayer. Yep. Um, it is a special sword that could kill Halliday. Um, how does this weapon exist? Who knows? The only thing I can think of is that Ogden Morrow created it. And, um, he, I guess, set it up as like a, a, a kill switch just in case. Yeah. It's interesting that he would have thought he needed that. Right. And interesting that the module that that Kira wrote was called the quest for the seven shards of the siren soul. Yes. So it seems like this entire quest was created by Ogden to hide this weapon. So we need to get our hands on this sword because it may very well be the only thing we can use to take down Anorak. While they're also brainstorming, they realize hey, all these clues that Ogden's been leaving for us, they got to mean something, right? So they start to think about it. And they like, okay, well, here was the score. And then they were also tapping Morse code on the, uh, like, uh, Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman were tapping Morse code. And they realize, oh, these could be coordinates. Where was Ogden Morrow living Right before they founded GSS. 
they have they have the location. Come to find out, that score, that specific score, was the address. And they're like, oh crap, is that where they're keeping him right now? And it was either on or right next to Morse Street. Yep. Which is interesting, right? Because as soon as you get Morse, you think Morse code. Like, obviously, that's what they're typing is Morse code, but... But they were—they're typing the word Morse in Morse code, and then the characters. What was her last name? Biddle. I can't remember what their names were, but that was mm. the street that—that was the street that they were on. Yeah. Rain Man. Hang on a second. I just want to know what their names were. Babbitt. 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 Raymond and Charlie Babbitt. And it was on Babbitt Street, and now they have the address thanks to the score. And I okay. did like that callback because I, I like the fact that they seated in the acknowledgement of the quirk in the score without giving you the answer right away. Right? Because so many things, like, every time they get a new clue, I'm like, well, how in the world would you know? Like, I, I could have read that clue a million times around... Um around the John Hughes plan and not known like reset the foul like that that's the kind of thing I would have imagined takes the the planet years to, to decipher but I like this that they were the clues left by Ogden aren't as obtuse they're more more direct once you put the pieces together and the fact that the inconsistencies allowed them to recognize the fact that they were clues I, I like the whole lead up to this point well, he was also trying, it seemed like he was trying to do that to mask that he was leaving clues as well. Yeah. Yeah, which really makes me think that, you know, that, that Ogden really, you know, obviously he wasn't going to help with the quest. He doesn't want anything to do with this. And now he's trying to throw Anorak off, off the trail. You know, you definitely get the, the battle both in the past and the present between the two of them. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, and then they the the last thing I read was they were uh, H was really excited because they were traveling to the Prince universe. And right before yeah. they teleported, she said, "Oh no, let's go!" And then snapped the fingers. <laughs> they did talk a little bit about timing, right? They said only a couple hours left, two and a half hours left. Yeah, basically two and a half hours left, Parzival. Um, a little bit less than that for H and Shoto. And, uh, yeah. That's 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 the timeline they're working on. They've got two more shards to go. Yeah, and part of the discussion in the... Um, in that module that was written about the, the seven shards was about how they needed to take the six shards and present them, and then that's how they get the seventh. So, Obviously, there's going to be some analogs between that quest and their current quest. Exactly. Right. It's not going to be this evil wizard Hagmar. It's probably going to be Anorak that they fight. And they also mentioned that um, resurrecting the siren, the siren had the ability to resurrect. Right? Yeah. So I wonder what that means. Yeah, you wonder if maybe Og was so in love that he created something and then maybe changed his mind and 
realized it wasn't right to maybe reanimate her without her decision, you know, her, her being able to make that decision. And then maybe Halliday knew about it and he wants her for himself. You know, hard to tell exactly how it, how it pans out, but it, it certainly seems that Kira is like the prize, right? She's what comes of collecting these seven shards and putting them together. Exactly. So that's where we're going to leave off. We do have an email. Um, comes in from Chad, titled PD Ready Player 2 Round 2. And he says, Howdy, crew. First of all, the release of the last two episodes threw me off a little. So I'm a few chapters behind you all. I previously started reading this book a while back and got about 80% through it, but then got sidetracked, so I decided to start from the beginning with you all. Hmm. I'm currently about halfway through. Now, now a lot of people have bashed the first book, which I kind of felt, which kind of felt weird to me. I remember when the first book came out, a lot of people championed it. It seems like it reached a tipping point somewhere along the way. And the cool thing was to hate on the book. Frankly, I don't get mob mentality. After the bandwagon bashing, I assumed the role of Homer Simpson, calmly walking backwards into the bushes without saying a word. (laughs) Damn it, I'm done being silent. I like what I like, and I shouldn't be ashamed of that. I thought the first book was fun. It was definitely a page-turner for me. I feel like people are trying to compare these books to classic literature. It's like comparing Stephen King to Bram Stoker. Or even worse, Dean Koontz to Stephen King. These Hmm. books are what they are. Fun reads. I've read books from all three of those people. I like them all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're very different, and you know, it's a. I think it's a valid point that this book, either of these books, aren't really trying to be high literature, and you know that that's kind of what I keep coming back to. They're they're like intentionally lighthearted. They're intentionally it's about the puzzles and it's about the references, and that that's that's what it is. That, that's yeah. what these books are about. If you if if you like those two pieces of it, you like the books probably, and if you don't, then you know the, these really aren't the books for you. Right. Uh, with that being said, I don't think this one is as good as the first one, but I st- but it still has my attention. I have to admit, I disagree a little with both of you from the first episode discussions. I do feel like characters are a little shallow, but not Wade or Halliday. H, Shoto, Artemis, and Sorrento all feel one-dimensional to me. No growth. I would also say that Halliday and Wade also really don't grow either, that they are more complex. They are ass, both assholes, but complex nonetheless. Halliday is the biggest asshole of them all, especially when Wade starts getting the Kira flashbacks. I have no empathy for Halliday, but yeah. I still find him interesting, kind of like a fictitious Elon. The fact that the Oni, head, Oni systems exist just to demonstrate how much of a jerk Halliday is. Like the book says... He was never a hardware guy, so he had scientists and engineers design this thing in parcels, had them sign NDAs, give them severances, and declare the prototype a failure. Obviously, it wasn't a failure. He knew the dangers of this technology and could have destroyed it himself. He was too chicken shit to to release the technology, so he created an elaborate contest, died, and left his inheritance to his successor to make the decision. He passed the ultimate buck 
onto someone he has never met to do what he could not. He wanted the Oni to exist, but he didn't want the responsibility of the consequences. What an asshole. I'll try to catch up to you all by the next episode. Till next time, Chad. Oh, there you go. I, I, I would say Wade definitely feels a little bit more complex now. I think in the beginning of this book, I was like, this guy is just, woe is me, asshole. Yeah, and it was that, for me, it was the one note of him being aware enough to know that he's kind of the elite misbehaving asshole but not able to do anything about it right or not willing to do anything about it and keep like abusing the power that he's got you know my my hope is that that's (laughs) he's brought low a little bit through this and you know that he he does have that growth and he turns into more of a, a man of the people I would really hope so too I'm hoping that we get a little bit more H I feel like H hasn't had time to shine yet. And I think we're about to get it with the, uh, the Prince. Yeah. And Matt, you've, you have say, stated that, uh, the next week or so you're going to be listening to Prince albums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like most of my free time is dictated by this book at the moment where I'm trying to enhance my appreciation of the references and also just understand a bit more what causes, Halliday and the rest of the world in this planet and and I guess on our planet to to have such strong feelings about some of these things that I maybe may have missed in my life's journey so far. Sure. I'm a I'm a pretty big Prince fan so I can I can relate to some of this stuff. Yeah, it was enjoyable trying to search out some of these uh John Hughes movies. Well, there you go. So it, I guess it did get you to to try something new. Yeah. Or at least learn something like you didn't realize that John Hughes had made all this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely not. So, so. yeah, definitely interesting. Yeah. But uh yeah, that's uh that's going to be it for us. If you'd like to send us an email, it's drew at ztgd.com. Uh you can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury, Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ztgd phoenix down. But uh that's going to be it for us. Um, I appreciate everybody listening and until next time I am Drew and I'm Matt and we are out of here you guys have a great week and we'll be back with the conclusion to Ready Player 2 <laughs> <laughs>